How do you follow that, right? How do you follow that? We have some pretty amazing kids here at church, and uh, a lot of them are in here with us. I just want you to know we want them in here. It's okay if they're a little rowdy and a little loud. They're not going to bother me, okay? Uh, I will be fine. I promise. Uh, welcome to Christmas Eve. So glad to see you. So excited that you decided to spend that with us. We have, for the month of December, been looking at this idea of the perfect gift. There were gifts that were given by the Magi or the wise men uh, that were perfect, each one of them in their own right, for a purpose. purpose. And uh, we are going to talk about this and review those just in case you haven't been with us. But what we want to look at tonight or today is that this, that, that Jesus is the perfect gift for us. That Jesus is a perfect free gift for us. Kids, I hope you're paying attention. I've already said it three times. You better have your stickers out, okay? Trying to help you here, all right? Let me pray for us and then we'll get started. God, we are so very thankful that we can gather tonight just to, to celebrate the fact that you gave us a perfect gift in Jesus. Jesus, we give you all the honor and the glory. We ask that you would help us just to understand in a greater way what you mean to this world. We love you and we praise you. We give you all the honor and glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So tomorrow we will get gifts. Kids, anybody excited about that? Hmm? Anybody? Yes, there's a couple over here. All right, good. Well, I'm excited. Um, and as we were thinking about, I was thinking about gift givers, uh, I thought I would share a few gift givers in my household or my family, okay? First and foremost, there's a last second gift giver. This is my dad. Growing up, we would do what you guys are doing right now. We would go to my grandparents' church and we would go to Christmas Eve service. We would leave there, go back to their house, eat dinner, and we would open gifts with them. We would return to our house at about 9 or 10 o'clock at night on Christmas Eve. We'd unload the car completely. And once we got it unloaded, my dad would say, okay, boys, let's go back in the car. And we would head to Walmart <laughs> at 10 p.m., on Christmas Eve to buy my mother's Christmas gifts, okay? This was my dad. He was the last second gift giver. Now, the frugal gift giver, some of you in here might be this, okay? This was my great aunt in the latter part of her life. Um, she was a frugal gift giver. In fact, she shopped for the entire family at one store and that one store was Goodwill. Now, let me tell you, I have nothing wrong with Goodwill. I love Goodwill. You can find great things at Goodwill. Trying to fit the entire family, Christmas gifts, into goodwill ends in things like this. My cousin was a student at Purdue University, and he received from my great aunt one Christmas a Purdue Pete chain pole. Okay? It's one of those little extenders that you attach to your ceiling fan, so that way you can actually, like, it's a little bit lower, you can pull on. Here's the problem. He's a Purdue student, and they don't have ceiling fans in their dorm rooms. Okay? But it fit. It came from Goodwill, and it was Purdue, and so it worked. She was the frugal gift giver. Now, we also have the thoughtful gift giver. This is my father-in-law. He gives me gifts every year that when I open them, I didn't ask for them. I don't think I even really want them. But at the end of the day, I end up using them every time, okay? Uh, just a week ago, 
tonight. We were here doing the cocoa night where you come and see the lights and you get free hot chocolate. Uh, we had cleaned up, wrapped up. I had the kids with me. We were trying to get out of here quick so we could go to bed. And uh, I somehow, some way in the parking lot, I put a hole in the side of my front right tire. It went flat in like a second and a half. Like it wasn't a slow burn. It was just like, it was gone. Uh, thankfully, I have a spare. I went ahead and replaced the tire. I was teaching the kids how to do that. Not like the Christmas story, by the way. Um, and uh, we didn't have any of that going on. And we changed the tire. Uh, and the spare, guess what? Was also flat. Right? So I returned to the back of my truck. And uh, in the back of my truck, there sits this box. It was camo. I don't know why camo was a color, but it was camo. I received it from, from my father-in-law last Christmas. To be completely and utterly honest with you, I didn't even really read what it was. I didn't charge it. It's supposed to be charged. I just took it out of the package and put it in my truck because I'm like, you know what? It's there in case I need it. Thankfully, it had 47% charge. It was a two-in-one battery chart jumper and an air compressor. And so I attached this to my tire and within five minutes, my tire is pumped up and we're ready to go home. This was the gift I got from my father-in-law last Christmas. He is a thoughtful gift giver. Now, when we talk about this story that we've been looking at, Jesus' birth, the Magi, the wise men, they are thoughtful gift givers. The gifts that they gave came with thought and reason. And we've kind of talked about those each week, but I'm gonna recap them really fast for those of you who might not have been with us, okay? So the Magi brought the gift of gold, which was a perfect gift for Jesus because he would become a king. Now, we learned that week that Jesus was not made a king. He was born the king. Okay, and that's a little bit different. We needed, we needed somebody who would come and show us how to live life here on earth. Someone who would be worthy of following. And that's exactly what Jesus did as our king, right? Jesus met that need for us. They gave the gift of frankincense. Uh, we talked about what frankincense was, how it's used in the offerings and how high priests are the ones who use that. Jesus was the perfect high priest, we needed access to God and he ushers us into the throne room of God so that we can speak directly to him. He met that need. Jesus met that need. Then he was given the gift of myrrh, which pointed to the fact that Jesus would be the final sacrifice. Like it was a gift of death for a child, which is a little bit weird. We talked about that some, but that he would be this final sacrifice. We, as has been already said, cannot pay for our sins. We can't pay the punishment for it. We needed someone to come and to die in our place to do that. Jesus did that. He met that need. You see, in Jesus, God gives us a gift with knowledge of our need. That it meets every single one of our greatest needs. And that's what's beautiful about the gift that we get from Jesus. And so this, this morning, I keep saying tonight because it's Christmas Eve and I think about night, okay? Forgive me. Uh, this morning, we're gonna be looking at that same story. We're gonna read the same story we've been reading. But what I want you to notice is that not only are there three gifts given, but there's three responses to those gifts. Because you see, every time we talk about the gift of Jesus, we talk about the gospel. The gospel is the good news that you and I ha can have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And every time the gospel is presented, we have to make a decision as to how to respond. And in this passage, we see the three responses that I'm going to go as far as to say that all of us fit into one of these three. So see if you can pick them out as we read this 
Uh, Join me if you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 2. This is right after what the kids just read for us. Just a continuation of the story, Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is this newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and the teachers of religious law and asked, Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem, in Judea, they said. For this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went on their way, and the star that they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. Now, we see three responses as a result of this story. And again, we fit into all three of these, some way, some shape, form, okay? The first response is indifference towards Jesus, indifference. Verse three tells us that King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked them, where is this Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem and Judea. You see, this, what King Herod does is he calls together uh, the church people, okay? Like the religious ones. Like, these are the people who have been like studying. They know the scripture. They know what's supposed to happen. They're the ones who've been longing for and waiting for the Messiah. They've, they've talked about it during the day. They've dreamt about it at night. Like they've been passing down the stories for generation to generation. These are the ones who should have been most excited. And yet when Jesus is born, just outside the city gates, they don't even go to see. Well, why in the world would the religious leaders not go and check this out? I mean, these men came from the East and they're talking about this Messiah that's been born. It should have been like a trigger to at least like, let's go see if he's, they're telling the truth or not. But they don't even go. Why? The only thing I can think of is that that didn't meet their expectations of the Messiah. Right? Their expectations of the Messiah was someone to come in power and to be able to rule, not a, a child. Right? Someone uh, who would come and be a king uh, that would immediately take over, not somebody who came in humility and in peace. Uh, they wanted somebody who was going to come and rule and take care of their immediate needs, not thinking about their eternal needs. And so they put their expectations on, this can't be the Messiah. You're talking about a baby being born. And so their, their expectations led to what? Complacency. And maybe this is some of you in here. Maybe some of you, you've heard about Jesus. You've been to Christmas Eve service. Just like me, you went 15 years in a row and it never did anything. I'm just indifferent towards it. 
never taking the time to actually investigate it, never taking the time to say, what if it really is true? And what I would do is I would encourage you not to be indifferent this Christmas. Just investigate it, look into it. See if it actually is true. Because I would go as far as to tell you that it is and that you're missing out. So that's the first response is indifference. The second is to be threatened by Jesus. We all know who this is in the story, right? Verse seven says, then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he said to them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. But you see, if you, you know the whole story, you know he didn't have any desire to go and worship Jesus, right? Herod is the king. He doesn't need a new king on the block. He's not looking to share his reign. He's not looking to share his power. He has no desire for that. And so instead, what he wants to do is know where the baby is born so that he can go eliminate him. Right, we read verses 13 through 16. Uh, that, that, that is exactly what Herod does. He commands that all babies boys two and under to be put to death in hopes that he would eliminate this newborn Messiah, this Savior. Except for we know that God had already talked to Mary and Joseph and told them to take Jesus and flee to Egypt, so he's not even around. But you see, Herod was threatened by Jesus. And I would go as far as to say, some of us in here might feel threatened by Jesus. In what way do we feel threatened? Because you see, Jesus wants control of your life. A lot of people think he's a great teacher, a historical figure. Maybe even you think he was a religious person. But the thing is, is it's he wants control of your life. He wants to lead you. But, but I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, I don't want to do that because he's a king and I don't really like the idea of a king. And here's the thing. He's not like King Herod. You see, King Herod wanted all the power. Jesus came in humility. King Herod, right, he, he used people resources to make his life better and easier. Jesus used his resources to make people's life better and easier. Herod wanted to make himself greater. Jesus came to make himself the least, to serve you and I. And so it's this, this struggle with control. Trust me, I went through this same struggle. I don't want someone else to control my life. I don't want someone else to be my Lord, to tell me what to do, to show me what to do. I got this. The truth is I didn't. And so maybe you're in here to, to, today and you need to just give up control and not be threatened by Jesus, but understand that he came to lead you humbly and not just for this time on earth, but for eternity so that he could spend eternity with you in heaven. The last response it's obviously my favorite, right? Is to worship Jesus. Verse 11 says, they, the wise men, the Magi, entered the house, saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. These men who had traveled so far, I don't even really know how far, Right? We don't know exactly. We know we can estimate how far had traveled and followed this star that appeared out of nowhere to, to see this child. And when they get there, they walk in despite their status, despite who they are, where they came from, their pride, any of those things. What do you see them do? They immediately bow before these parents and this child. 
and they worship him. They worship him because they know that he is the perfect gift for mankind. They know that these gifts that they're giving him will make up who he will become, what he will do for you and I. Because when God gave us Jesus, he did it with our needs in mind. It is the perfect gift this Christmas season. And so I would beg of you, I'd ask you to just worship him in that way. Like, I get giddy about Christmas. You guys know that. It's not for Christmas presents. It's not for the elf, although that's a great movie, right? It's not for candy canes. Love those as well. It's because we get to celebrate the greatest thing that's ever happened. The greatest gift that's ever been given. The gifts you're going to receive tomorrow. I'm sorry, in three months, they're not going to be as exciting. This gift is exciting for eternity. It is eternal. It does not go, I will be this excited next Christmas. Okay? Like, and then the next one after that too. And I hope you will be as well. But my encouragement to you this Christmas is not, not to be indifferent towards him. It's not to be threatened by him. It's, and it's not to hold back anything from worshiping Jesus, our king, the perfect high priest, and the final sacrifice. That is who we get to worship this Christmas season. That's why we celebrate this season. Let me pray for you. Jesus, we give you all honor and glory this morning. We are so very thankful that we get to gather and worship you. Thank you for being everything that we needed. In you, we find someone worthy of following. In you, we find uh, the perfect sacrifice. In you, we find the high priest who intercedes on our behalf and ushers us into our heavenly father's presence. We need you this season just as we did last and we will the next. And so as we stand in a moment to just give you the worship that you are due, I pray for those in this room. Pray for those who might not know you yet. And I ask Jesus that you would make yourself real to them. Pray for those who feel threatened by you. I pray that they would give up that control and just give their lives over to you. I pray for those who know you, that we would worship you in a greater way this season because of the sacrifice you offered to us, because you came and lived with us, Emmanuel, God with us. We give you all glory, honor, and praise this morning. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.